Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Monday, April 4th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Today's podcast is about sex, money, and power. If that doesn't grab your attention, I don't have a topic that will. (laughs) So let me start with transgenderism, and I want to give you some statistics about transgenderism and also about the LGBTQ community in general. The states with the highest LGBTQ populations as a percentage of population range from Oregon at 5.6 to New Hampshire at 4.7. And there are about nine states in between those two. So the range is 4.7 at the low point to to 5.5 at the high point. But the District of Columbia, which of course isn't a state and is the center of power in the United States, the District of Columbia has a percentage of 9.8. Remember, the highest was Oregon at 5.6. The District of Columbia is 9.8%. Now, if we look at the world population review in general, and in fact, there's a website called worldpopulationreview.com, 18 to 24-year-old age range 0.7% of those identify as transgender. And of age 65 and older, 0.5% identify as transgender. In general, approximately 0.58% of the adult population identifies as transgender, a little more than half of 1%. Now, that's data from 2016. So let's give it the benefit of the doubt. And let's say that from 2016 till current, that has doubled, which is unlikely, but let's just say it has. So now we're at 1.6% of the adult population identifies as transgender. But remember, when you break down by state, the District of Columbia has the highest percentage of just transgender people only not LGBTQ. Remember, that was 9.8% for the district. For the District of Columbia, for transgender only, it's 2.77%. Now, that's close to doubling the overall national average, which is 1.6%. So let me recap here for one second. The District of Columbia has the highest percentage of LGBTQ population at 9 point, what did I say it was? 9.8%. It has the highest percentage of transgender identification as a percentage of population at 2.77%. The reason that I go through those statistics and show the vast disparity in both the LGBTQ and the transgender populations as a percentage of population in the District of Columbia is because on Tuesday of this past week, President Biden announced as part of recognizing Transgender Visibility Day and the start of Pride Month that 14% of his 1,500 federal agency employees 
identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer. Think about that. 1,500 federal agency appointees, appointees appointed in this administration, 14% of them identify as LGBTQ. How did he accidentally, coincidentally, unintentionally manage to appoint 14% of his political employees from a subgroup of the population that comprises only 7.1% of the overall population. It had to be a deliberate selection process with the intent to select LGBTQ, sorry, appointees. So now the question begs why? Well, for a moment, let me digress about something. I have an adopted daughter. And when she was two, we adopt, my ex-husband and I adopted her from China. And I saw a piece of art about the time that we adopted her, and it was titled Nature or Nurture. And the saying on that piece of art is basically prose, talking about the difference between when someone matures and becomes who they are, was it the result of nature, meaning their DNA and their genetic background, or was it the result of nurture? And of course, it's a beautiful ode to adoption because it looks at both, but it really stresses the importance of nurture. The environment in which someone lives gets exposed to its principles and its values, etc. So I thought about that nature or nurture when I was thinking about the LGBTQ community and particularly transgenderism. And I'm not going to get into my opinions right here, right now in this podcast, because I'm going somewhere else today with this podcast. But think about that. Think about the pressures that have been put upon recently young children to identify their gender, to pick their gender, to transition from whatever they are to whatever they want to be, regardless of what age they are. Talking about kids who are eight and nine years old who usually want to be firemen or princesses and because they haven't yet, you know, matured into the adult world. And we're giving them the opportunity to choose whether they want to be boys or girls and to have hormone treatment and surgery accordingly. Just something to think about. But as an overall perspective, why this seeming obsession with sex-related matters in our culture? Why are we so focused on everything sexual? We've got all these issues, Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein and child sex trafficking and pornography and child pornography. It was just such an issue in the uh, Katenji Brown-Jackson Supreme Court nomination hearings what her rulings were on child pornographers who the argument was that she was lenient with them in her sentencing. What is our obsession on movies and on television shows and on the internet and on video games with sex? Well, let me digress a moment and talk about something that's a little outside of the box, but follow me because it ends up someplace very understandable and familiar. Have you ever heard of the chakra system? The chakra system is a Hindu system of both meditation, but also healing. It talks about seven energy centers that are within the human body that are aligned with the spine. 
and they start at the base of the spine and they go to the top of the head. And according to Hindu religion and philosophy and, and even health and medical approaches, our life force energy, what the Chinese call qi, our life force energy flows through this system. And that when any of those seven centers are impaired or blocked in some way, the system can't function properly, which means our bodies and we, emotionally, physically, psychologically, can't operate, function optimally. And each one of those centers, those seven centers, correlates to specific bodily functions, organs, and emotions. So for example, the first chakra that's located at the base of your spine, its purpose and behavioral characteristics relate to survival. They're very basic, fundamental energy center emanations come from the point at the base of your spine that is considered your first chakra. It has to do with survival, protection, safekeeping, all the primal needs such as nourishment, self-preservation, sleep, shelter, etc. You get my drift. Well, before I get to the second chakra, which is the second one up, and I'm only going to talk about actually two or three of them total, let me just interject here that in Jewish mysticism in called Kabbalah, which is the basis of Jewish mysticism, there is something called the tree of life system. And the tree of life system in some ways could be overlaid on the Hindu chakra system or vice versa. The tree of life system is a system of human consciousness that affects the soul's level of awareness. And it's made up of 10 energy centers, as opposed to seven in the Hindu system that correspond to parts and organs of the human body. And there is actually speculation that the foundation of the Kabbalah system, or Kabbalah as it's properly pronounced, that the basic tenets correspond to the yogic system, the Hindu system of chakras. Okay, let me get back to chakras, and in particular, let me drive this home. The second chakra is the sacral chakra. It's located between your navel and your genitals. It has to do with sex, power, and money. When the energy flow to the second chakra is impeded or impaired, a person tends to misuse the energy of that chakra, right? Sex, power, and money. So now sexual perversion, a lack of creativity, because that's what sexual energy is, greed, a lust for power, all of those are the misuse of energy of the second chakra. Let me repeat this. Sexual perversion, lack of creativity, greed, and the lust for power. Sound familiar? Now let me ask this question again. Why the obsession with sex-related matters in our culture today? Human trafficking of children, child pornography, pornography in general, the objectivization of women, AI sex robots, let's go back to Bill Clinton in the, in the Oval Office, you know, doing what he did, Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, as I mentioned earlier, the exploitation of women's bodies by men and women alike, public nudity, TV, internet, movies, all of it. Why? Well, remember, if you misuse the energy or if it's blocked in the second chakra, you're going to get stuck in the negative manifestation of those energies, sex, power, money. So 
What is the misuse of energy? Well, as I've referenced before, my latest book, The Questions God Will Ask, Prepping for the Final Exam, is all about what I call right useness. It's all about the rightful use of energy. Because as I like to say, everything is energy. At the subatomic level, everything is energy. How we use energy matters. And each of us have what I call a quantum of energy that we're born with, a packet of energy that we're born with. And we get to play that out over the course of our lives. And if we use energy properly, then we are creative and constructive and loving and part of a community. And if we use it destructively, then we are hateful and we see ourselves as separate, and we lack creativity, and we're all about not living life to its highest possible frequency, as I like to say, because energy travels on frequencies, whether it's light or, or sound, these are frequencies that energy travels on. So here's my point. If you overlay the Hindu yogic chakra system and the Kabbalistic tree of life system, on not just a single individual's body. If you overlay it on humanity and you look around us now, you arrive at the indisputable conclusion that humanity is stuck in the second chakra of sex, power, and money. A lot of people say that what we're going through is a spiritual battle because it's about becoming conscious enough to realize That until we correct how we use energy, until we get out of this stuck second chakra imbalance, we're likely to stay stuck where we are, stuck in being focused on sex, power, and money. Because isn't that what we see when we look around everywhere? Aren't wars about power and money? Isn't the political game about power and money? Isn't whatever's happening to our culture and its deterioration all about the misuse of sexual, which is really creative energy? To our credit, I think we have a significant segment of the population that are coming from the fourth chakra. The fourth chakra is the heart chakra. It's located at the, sort of at your solar plexus. The heart chakra is the axis of the whole chakric system. Just like the belly is the center of gravity of the physical body, the heart is the center of the non-physical spiritual body that we all have. When the heart chakra is not functioning at its optimal flow, just like chakras need to do, one is likely to feel wounded or victimized. Think about that. If you're not properly coming from the fourth chakra in the correct way, if you're not using that energy properly, you're likely to feel wounded or victimized. This is the basis for all the safe space, victimization, cancel culture, who thinks they're coming from a higher perspective, right? They've got the high ground, when in reality, they're misusing the energy of that fourth heart chakra because they all feel wounded and victimized and need safe space and special recognition and every group needs to be seen differently. The misuse of energy. It's all about the proper or misuse of energy. Again, I call it right-useness. 
the rightful use of energy. The example I've given in the book, the example I give on air all the time is if you're in the United States and you buy an appliance and the appliance is 110 volt and you plug it in, no problem. Your appliance is going to work. You take that same appliance to England or to France where it's 220 and you plug in the 110. You break the circuit and you probably burn out the appliance. Why? Because it's the misuse of energy. You need energy to be used properly. You need frequencies to be compatible. You need to be coming from the right place in the right way and using it appropriately. Well, if each of us is born with energy, a quantum, as I like to say, a packet of energy, and we get X amount of years to use it, using it properly seems to be the key. And if we look at these spiritual, religious, metaphysical systems, whether it's the Kabbalistic tree of life or whether it's the Hindu yogic chakra system, and we look at energy flowing through the human body and we transpose that or overlay that onto the human race, and we understand that the misuse of energy at critical junctures causes disaster and destruction and dysfunction, then we know what's happening. We know what's happening. These people who, young people in particular, millennials and Xers and the Y generation, those who want to be loving, who want to see love in the highest possible way, who don't see separation, who don't have judgment, who don't want limitations on a person's identity. They've got the right idea but they're misusing the energy because they're coming from their heart chakra, but they're misusing that energy. And so instead of being accepting and empathic and loving and inclusive, they're being victimized and wounded and demanding safe spaces and special recognition. It's the misuse of that energy. We all need to get to a place in our thinking and our doing where we realize that while each of us may make choices that others wouldn't make. The key is the correct use of energy. And the correct use of energy is to honor those disparate choices without condemning those who would choose otherwise. Let me put it in as plain language as I can in the most contemporary example that I can. You have the right And you can choose to be transgender, to be LGBTQ, or any other identity you prefer. I don't have to agree or see you the way you do, but I also don't condemn or marginalize or sanction or need to applaud you for your choice. And likewise, the opposite is true. You don't get to condemn me or marginalize me or sanction me or need me or force me to applaud you for my refusal to see you as you see yourself. That's the highest good for all. That's the God within us. And that's what I term the right useness of energy. Thanks for joining me. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on Wednesday. And until I do, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. 
That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.